Just like that. Final hours here on the Thursday edition. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. If you're listening to this great radio partner, we say thank you for that. If you're joining Chad in the chats, he just told me it's popping off. Chat is popping off today. Uh, it's fun. We've got NFL Eliminator coming up. up. Um, Aaron says, bloodlust is what's driving speed in this investigation, not level-headed thinking. They will get what's coming to them appropriately. Just have some patience. So why did Michigan... Um, suspend and put uh, Connor Stallions on leave if it's just that. Well, no, he's just saying um, he's saying they're going to get what's coming to them in appropriate time. Just have patience. He said bloodlust is oh, what's driving but, the need I see. to hammer them right now. I don't think it's bloodlust as much as it is the knowledge that Jim Harbaugh is going to bolt at the end of the season, so they're losing their coach regardless. He's not going to either be allowed to st- st- uh, stick around or he's going to want to leave for the NFL. And the only way to really punish them is to punish this team that's undefeated. So people are trying to do this in a hurry because they're saying, forget about future scholarship reductions. Make sure this team pays the price. That's already been doing that this season. I don't think that's unreasonable, quite frankly. I don't think that's unreasonable of any Big Ten coach to uh, demand of Tony Petiti. Well, and the only way it yeah, – exactly. The only way it speeds up is if it's through the Big Ten, not the NCAA, because right. there's an appeals process that's necessary, and you have so many days to present your appeal if you're Michigan. Um, I mean, you could accept the penalties. They won't because they have a chance to go win a title. The Big Ten, though, in, in their process, once it goes to that board, that the the – a board of infractions or whatever they're calling it, but made up of multiple members of the, the executive Ten. board, the executive yeah. board. Um, there is no appeal. Once they approve any discipline action coming from Petiti. So that that's the only way Chad, it would, it would speed up to a level that would impact yeah. this, this year's team. They could reduce, but they can't appeal. They can reduce. They can approve affirm. You know, they, they can yeah. reduce it to where there is no penalty. But they cannot, uh, they cannot add to the penalty that would be set forward looking for approval by Tony Petiti for sportsmanship conduct violation. That would exceed the standard violation of the policy, which is like a $10,000 fine. But he's the, he is the only person that can say this was a violation, here's the penalty. Then it would go in front of that, that committee. And then no appeal. Any other scenario ends up with the season's over. College football playoff is long gone based on the timetable of it. Chad, um, ESPN through uh, Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee and uh, Reese Davis this Saturday, they will be uh, hosting a red zone style show for college football. We have long said that this, this, is, this is needed. This is perfect. And they're going to have so many options to choose from that it is going to be sensory overload for college football fans. I'm all in on this. This is incredible. And you're right, Hutton. We've, we've talked about it. College football, to me, is the ultimate sport for something, the red zone type experience you get with the NFL. I love red zone channel on NFL, have for a while. But it takes uh, an ESPN that has so many rights with the ACC network, with the SEC network, with everything else, that they can go to so many different games across their digital platform with ESPN Plus also. I'm going to be tuned into this. I'm going to be – I'll have a primary game, like usual, at different time slots. But I'm going to check back in on this throughout, and that's going to be every commercial I'm going 
to this new college football red zone experiment. Uh, McAfee's a good guy to have do this to start it out also. I'm all in. I think it's a terrific idea. It's long overdue, and I'm glad they're finally doing it. Well, there was a show that they had where they would just go game to game, but it wouldn't be... I guess there was kind of a rhyme or reason to it, but it wasn't just based on who's about to score and big moments, and you get to pick and choose where you're going. Um, They would have four or five games, and they would circle back around to all of them. This this has a chance to be a massive hit. Right, and only ESPN can do it. Exactly. Because only ESPN has enough rights to games that they could legitimately rotate around to a bunch of games. There are other networks. Fox does a great job with college football. CBS does good college football. They don't have enough rights packages to truly go into a ton of different games. ESPN does. I'm glad they're finally pulling the trigger on this and doing it. Dave, you have more? I was going to ask if you all were talking earlier about, you know, Major League Baseball. They need more pull and be able to resonate with better audiences. Do you think if they were to try something along these lines on like a, a week weekend? Well, MLB, and- Network, MLB Network has done this. Uh, yeah. with the wraparound coverage, but it's, I mean, what, are you going to a 3-2 count? You know, like, it, it's its tough Runners to really... Runners in scoring position? You could do that, yeah. I mean, I, NHL I tried it recently. I just, like, everybody's doing this now. I, I don't recall the MLB footer. Yeah, the like problem is about. your team is playing at the same time the other teams are playing. I, I think, Davey, because it wouldn't work, I, I, I'm going to say absolutely not. This would not work for Major League Baseball. And Hunt's right. MLB Network does something like this on Friday and Saturday nights where... They'll rotate into different the, – the local broadcast the game and, and have live look-ins throughout. But the reason it doesn't work is the same reason I'm talking about that the Major League Baseball postseason doesn't work. I don't think people care to watch other games. They want to watch their team. So there's not enough interest in it. Maybe a fantasy baseball perspective. Some would be interested mm. in that. But Gambling. Yeah, I, I just don't think that there's – I think if you're a big gambler, though, you got the extra innings package. And you're probably watching any game you want anyways. You're going to that game if it's close, right? So, I don't know. I think it's hard. I think with football, because so much is happening at once and you care so much more about it, I think someone that's like curating it for you and telling you what to watch at any given time is great. I like Twitter accounts, X accounts, I guess they're called now, that tell me where to go when a game's close, right? That, hey, everybody needs to turn to this. I like the people who do that. Like, this game's getting really good. We do that in our group text at times, right? Hey, let's click over to this game. USC's in trouble or whatever it may be. I, you, you don't, you, I just don't think you have that for Major League Baseball. And you don't need X with Red Zone. You trust that Red Zone is right, going to doing take it for you, you to the right game at the right time. And that would be the CSPN. You know, they'll have three games on at once if it's all tight window games. So. Have you continued watching the NHL deal? They've, they've only done one. But, I, I mean, fortunately, through the ESPN Plus, I can watch any NHL game I want for the most part unless it's on, like, TNT. But you I, liked what they did, though. Yeah, it was enjoyable. That one trial game or yep. broadcast. Yeah. I would like to see them do that moving forward. And, I mean, the real draw for this college football thing is just having Pat McAfee. I mean, he's the it guy right now. It's Everybody's tuning in for his coverage. Uh, you, we talk about, like, Monday Night Football with Peyton Manning and Eli. Yeah. It's having that personality, that persona that people are just – really enjoy watching whatever they have to do or say. Unless he's on game day, Chad. Well, I'll give a plug for it again, too. I, I have no affiliation with it, but I'll, I'll say it. What's Bobby Carpenter's channel? 84? Sirius XM. Sirius XM College. Um, Saturdays, they've done the red zone like that for years. They just go to live radio broadcast of each game, and it's if you're out and about running errands in your car at all on Saturday, I always am going right to that 
and listening throughout the day. And they do a good job of, we're going to take you away from that. It's getting out of hand. We're going to go to Waco where Baylor's driving. They're down seven, and here's the you know, Learfield IMG, whatever. It's great. I highly recommend. And I'll, I'll watch this ESPN deal. Thursday night football tonight, Pittsburgh hosts Tennessee. Will Levis, after his first career start of four touchdown passes, the, uh, he gets the, the chance to have a, a sequel to the performance. Short week. Uh, they were coming off a bye when he made his first start this past Sunday against Atlanta. Meanwhile, the Steelers, following a loss to Jacksonville, now host Tennessee, and this is a Steelers offense that, in all the categories that matter, believe it or not, they're worse than the Titans. Uh, snapshot from Sunday looked great, but this was an inept Tennessee Titans offense. The Steelers have been worse. What's winning them games is the defense. 15 takeaways, that's second most in the NFL. They have 11 takeaways in their four wins. And that's what fuels this team and their scoring. The Steelers, Chad, they have scored one touchdown in five of their seven games. Pittsburgh leads the league, though, in points off turnovers. Can Levis protect the football? Can the Titans play a very simple game? If they do, they can go on the road and win. If they don't, this is setting up for a Steelers victory in Week 9. This is, to me the regression to the mean opportunity for Will Levis. He was outstanding in week one. Maybe he's going to be fine long-term. I don't think he's going to be okay in this setting against this defense in this game. This game has 20 to 13 Steelers written all over it to me. I would go under at 36 and a half. I think it's, it's likely a 17-14, 20 to 13 type game. I think the Steelers win with defense in this one and probably don't need a ton from their offense in this game, they're going to affect Will Levis. That's my prediction for this game. And it's not going to be anything good for Levis. I See, Hayward's back on the inside. They have um, they have a good secondary, although Mika Fitzpatrick isn't playing in this one. I think, I think ultimately why I would take the points, I'm taking the three, it's because Kenny Pickett's playing with the injured ribs. He says he's playing. I don't think he finishes the game with Jeffrey Simmons and company. It's not like the Steelers' offensive line is any good. Matt Canada. Uh, no one's Matt, happy with him. But, uh, we're going to see Trubisky come in. Uh, again, short week plays a factor here, too. I like the under, even though the under is low. I like the under because of that. Um, and I do think you'll see some bumps in the road for Levis. But I think we see more from the Steelers. I'm not picking the Titans on the money line, but I would take the three points in this. Chad, uh... We'll find out in a moment if a Thursday night football game makes a debut for our NFL Eliminator picks this week. Davey, where do we start? I actually had the first pick, so excited about that because... We all won last week, that too. We did. Congratulations. We did, yes. Rare, rare all, thing where we're all winners. It's all great. three of us made it Feels through. Feels good. Uh, I guess it would be round two, Feels like starting one. a weekend on a Thursday. That's what it feels like to me. But we'll call it, is, it We'll call it week nine. It is a difficult week if you're just simply looking at the spreads across the league. Uh, it should be a it very is. contested weekend of games. I I think it might even land to some of the best so far. They talk about you know you have a you have four key games in all primetime spots because Chiefs Dolphins there in Germany. Uh, so that'll that'll be uh, something 
if you're looking for some AM football that you'll have going. But guys, I'm going to kick us off, and I'm going to be taking the Cleveland Browns over the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray's been ruled out. Clayton Thune is going to be, if I'm even saying that right, it doesn't really matter. Um, I think it's Toon. 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 Yeah, Clayton Toon. Okay. silent. He's he's not going to stand a chance against this defense. Jim Schwartz is going to be dialing it up. Uh, if Arizona gets over 10 points, I will be surprised. And while the Browns do have issues at quarterback, they can at least hand the ball off and get over 10 points. So I feel confident in taking the Browns this weekend. Yeah, I, I like that pick. Just uh, the, the defense alone with Toon. Or if, if Murray goes, I mean, the he's going to be on the move. That's not really how you want to be tested with against this defense uh, in your first game back. I, and, and again, I, home field advantage plus Jim Schwartz's group. I, I like the pick. I You mentioned that most of the spreads are extremely close. I'm just going with the one that's the heaviest of the week. Saints are hosting Chicago, and they're laying eight and a half. This is a Saints offense that's picked up the pace. I believe uh, Carr's thrown for over 300 yards now in three straight games. And it's already a Saints defense that has been steady throughout the season. And they're facing Bajant, who hasn't faced a defense like this. So give me the Saints and the Eliminator picks this week. I like it. DeAndre Hopkins playing? Was yes, this a questionable? He's playing. He is he's playing. playing. Okay, that, that helps me for my fantasy purposes. <laughs> May not help me for my pick purposes, though. Okay. Uh, he had a big week with Will Levis in Will Levis's NFL debut. They've got a nice thing going. I don't think they're going to have a nice thing going against that Pittsburgh okay. defense. I'm going against the rookie quarterback. I'm not necessarily going with the second-year quarterback with the busted-up ribcage and Kenny Pickett. I'm going with the Pittsburgh defense in a week where every spread was four points or less that I had to choose from after you guys went through your first two picks, I am going with three-point favorite at home Pittsburgh Steelers to win against the Tennessee Titans tonight. Chad, this Let's news. get the winning weekend started for me tonight. Like Right now, let's start making that happen. We're actually win bets, and it's going to start on a Thursday. This news came down about an hour ago from Mike Garofolo, oh, but... Gosh. Matt Canada will be moving from the booth to the sidelines oh, for tonight's game. Ho, ho, ho. Does Connor Stallions get to stand next to him during the game? If so, that would definitely help Pittsburgh. Maybe he's up in the booth. Maybe Stallions is up in the booth. Is he going to be wearing sunglasses? I. What if the entire yes. staff wore sunglasses in honor of Connor Stallions? I. Can you imagine if uh, if Harbaugh took the Denver job? Where the story would be? Connor Stallions would be in Denver with him. Oh, yeah, it would be a big NFL investigation into, into him or whatever else is going on. That's true. But, I mean, would Didn't you need him that. in the NFL? I mean, everything's through the head set. Yeah, I don't think you need him as much, for I mean, sure. Ask the Patriots who were filming the Jets. Eric Mangini ratted them out with their own TV crew. He had headsets then. It was uh, – I just know how swift the uh, – and the rules, by the way, since, since Spygate – Think about all of the digital staff across the NFL for every individual team. They were using their television crew, their in-house crew for their coaches show or whatever, Patriots Live. But, I mean, I don't know how many staffers they have, but it wasn't nearly up to the 30 to 50 that some of these organizations have now, from social media to uh, behind-the-scenes production, the travel crews, all of it. So... All the rules have really, they're strict on that department and what you can and can't do in a press box or the sideline.
Well, hopefully Matt Canada yeah. on the sideline will uh, it will help, help that Pittsburgh defense. No. Uh, the offense. I think, you know, Kenny Pickett just really needs to look him in the eyes. That's what's going to really set this offense off. He said, I got to get down there. I got to get with my quarterback. I got to read his vibe. I got to really get in there, right there, face-to-face. That's what's going to set this offense off. Over, under on jet sweeps we see tonight from the Steelers. Four and a half. I would, set I would the take the up. over on that. I would say over, under seven and a half uh, based on this. Oh, well, but also, I also say Trubisky's coming in, so... Who knows? Maybe that's why he's going down the sideline. Trubisky prefers that. He's going to look him in the eyes and see which quarterback yeah. has it. Who's got the eye of the tiger tonight? You, Mitch? Let me see those rips. You, Ken? Which one of you guys am I putting in there this series? Ryan Leaf joins us next. Get some midseason awards across the NFL and college football discussion. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. The host of the Straight Line Pod is Ryan Leaf. He joins us each and every week at this time. Always great to catch up with you, Ryan. Hope things are well, man. Uh, good to see you guys. I heard from a little birdie that you guys were just absolute menaces with uh, Kelly in Vegas and Ariel Epstein this weekend. That's yeah. That's the rumor. Yeah, yeah. They well, I can tell you this: they were a menace at the uh, Clay Travis Halloween party. That that is for sure. They had that, some that, sort that of a, like joint weird... outfit going on. I, I don't. I still don't know what it was. I'm unfamiliar was, with the was reference, a but dog. yeah, from okay. uh, Toy Story. Yeah, right. I, which, which, I haven't seen Toy Story enough. Apparently, which, I didn't even know what it was. Which duo do you really believe was the menace of the of the four pack here? I don't know. I've got some photos of you, Hutton, just like carrying her purse around. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Absolutely. You, you can never trust yeah. any of us, that's for sure. All, all four, that, that's for sure. Uh, Ryan, uh, we are here at the midway point of the NFL season, and a trade deadline has come and gone. Some big matchups this weekend with we've got with Cincinnati hosting Buffalo. Uh, we uh, In Germany, Kansas City and Miami. Dallas at Philadelphia. Which is your favorite game of, of the group of really solid matchups this week? I mean, I think you really have to go with the with the Dolphins and Chiefs in Germany. I mean that that's a huge game because the Dolphins, for as good as they've been, they have yet to beat a team with a winning record. So I think the league did them a, a real service by making this game on a neutral site instead of Arrowhead, where it was initially supposed to be. I think that's a good one. There's one that's really interesting to me that I that I I think has kind of flown under the radar a little bit. I think it's the Seahawks heading out to Baltimore. Baltimore is in a position right now where they, if Lamar Jackson stays healthy, they could look uh, to try to be the 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 number one seed. They got yeah. a very difficult schedule down the backstretch. In Seattle, they're sitting on top of the NFC uh, West right now, ahead of the San Francisco 49ers after three consecutive losses. So that one, that one seems pretty darn interesting to me too. Well, uh, midseason award time, and uh, your top game of the week includes your MVP so far this season. Tua Tagovailoa, Ryan, is your MVP. Uh, he's just been better than everybody else. He leads the league in passing yards. He's tied for first in touchdowns with Kurt Cousins, who's not going to be able to go any further. So you really should – you could put him at one. Uh, you know, he's he's fifth in QBR. Um, I, I don't quite get the the system quarterback distractors, uh, detractors on this deal. He – you know – Every every quarterback in the NFL is a system quarterback. 
if you have the right pieces to the system. And Mike McDaniel certainly has walked in and showcased that he is a great teacher and he's got just weapons galore. And that makes for a very interesting back end of the season. They get the Jets twice. They end the season with the Bills. And of course, they take on the Chiefs uh, this week. But Tua Tungavalawa for me is is been the, the first uh, half of the season MVP. And if he continues with the same type of um, um, performances down the stretch, he'll he'll walk away with it. Well, it, it is a quarterback award, the MVP award. No wide receiver has ever won uh, MVP. Uh, but we could see a wide receiver possibly surpass 2,000 yards in a single season this year. Nearly saw it last year with Justin Jefferson. Right now, it's Tyreek Hill. And no surprise, he's your offensive player of the year. Yeah, he is. Uh, over 1,000 yards, eight touchdowns. He has changed the game, period, in kind of, in bracket and cover two looks. I mean, the last two weeks alone, they've tried to do it. They're not able to get a jam on him at the line of scrimmage. And then he just, as the safety's trying to look him up kind of to, on an inside route, he just flies by everybody. His speed has changed the game, literally, and Tua feels really comfortable when he sees that safety just settle his feet just a little bit. He knows it's over, and the ball goes, and he's been incredibly accurate down the field to Tyreek Hill. Um, in the second half of the season, another 1,000 yards, another eight touchdowns. That would be a significant uh, um, um, season. And, and it wouldn't surprise me if he did get some MVP votes. But like you said, it is it is a quarterback's award, although a kicker won it once, which is uh, highly irregular. Yeah, well, and then not only him, but you have A.J. Brown, who's also gunning for that uh, for Megatron's uh, current regular season all-time record. Uh, Defensive Player of the Year, you got uh, plenty of candidates uh, one on a team that was uh, is bottoming out right now, and, and another that could end up being a number one seed. Max Crosby compared to Josh Allen. Yeah, that that for me is the difference here is whether or not the the people voting look at the success of the team. I mean, I don't think the Raiders would be anywhere near they even are in terms of wins right now if it wasn't for Max Crosby and his ability to carry this team on the defensive side of the football. He plays almost every snap. His motor never stops. Uh, I mean, he he for me has been the the biggest difference maker on defense in the league. And I know there are plenty of names out there. I know Miles Garrett's been incredible. I know T.J. Watt and Micah Micah Parsons, but it's it's really been Max Crosby. And for a guy that I think would surprise a lot of people, who's sitting in nine sacks right now, is Josh Allen down in Jacksonville. This team's six and two heading into the bye. They get the San Francisco 49ers next week. They could go to seven and two. Yeah, they're looking for the number one seed when the season. Uh, was about to begin. I had this team going 12 and five. I didn't know how they started with a loss to Houston uh, as well at home besides the Chiefs loss, but they've of course corrected. London did them well once again. And, uh, you know, defense has been leading the way and Josh Allen's been at the very forefront. So if they get to the number one seed and Josh Allen duplicates the second half of the season and ends up with about 18 sacks, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if he's at the top of the list when you're looking at defensive player of the year. Let's look at rookies. Offensive rookie of the year. Who are you looking to? Uh, I, you know, Devon Achon for me, uh, was someone I really liked coming out of college. He was hurt early on, didn't get any plays. He's only had 38 carries. He's got 38 carries for like 400 and let me make sure I got this number right. 460 yards rushing five touchdowns already on injured reserve again. That could, you know, of course, you know, delay his ascension as the rookie of the year. The other guy I would, I would argue is Puka Nakua. He just, he has just been a, a star when Cooper Cup wasn't able to go. Already 60-some receptions. Uh, only two touchdowns, though. And this team may not be very good um, when, when it's all said and done. 
Um, so um, those are the two offensive side of the football guys that I think that are that are up for the award during the midseason. I respect that you didn't put C.J. Stroud in this, uh, just to, to give some other uh, positions some love there. And then on defense, uh, a player that was extremely consistent in college is doing the same thing this year. Yeah, Brian Branch out of Alabama, he opened the year making a statement, right? A pick six against the Kansas City Chiefs to win that game at Arrowhead. And then he has been a, you know, a, a dominant force in the resurgence of this Detroit defense. He's just been where he's supposed to be, 33 tackles, no sacks, only that one interception. I know they look flat for flashy things. Devon Witherspoon uh, or Devin Witherspoon uh, in Seattle, he's got a pick six for 97 yards, two sacks, but that's about it. He's been really physical. Corners have been a part of it. Edge rushers have been guys for rookies of the year. But I like Brian Branch. I think that he is about the most consistent player. And if Detroit continues to do what they do and sit at the top of the division, um, you know, with a couple home playoff games, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, his name could be read off uh, NFL honors. And that would go a long way for, you know, the continuation of watching Alabama's defensive safeties make a name for themselves at the NFL level. He could hear his name and then maybe his coach's name. Dan Campbell, a candidate for coach of the year. Mike McDaniel also on your list. And Pete Carroll, you're saying, is a coach to watch for this year for coach of the year. Yeah, he easily could have been coach of the year last year too, right, in terms of what he was able to do. I think a lot of people thought, you know, they may have made a mistake shipping off Russell Wilson and sticking with the, you know, 70-plus-year-old Pete Carroll. But no, he is just you know, resurrected a team that was excited uh, to go out and play. They feel like there's a rebirth. Geno Smith is playing at a very high level, and now they're on top of the NFC West. So uh, this weekend's game's big. They went out to Detroit in week two on the road after an embarrassing loss in week one to the Rams and and beat a team that I, I think people were high on in Detroit at home. And so this is tough because Detroit went to Baltimore a couple of weeks ago and got embarrassed, and that easily can happen. Um, so Seattle's got to be ready. They travel well. Uh, this is going to be a heck of a matchup. Um, wouldn't surprise you know this is this is a kind of an out out there you know Super Bowl matchup between Seattle and Baltimore. It's realistically something that actually could happen, especially if Seattle gets some home games down the playoff stretch along with Baltimore. So uh, Pete Carroll, yeah, Dan Campbell, what he's been able to do over the last seventeen games. I think they're fourteen and three. I mean that's that's incredibly impressive. Yeah, uh, and and Mike McDaniel. I mean, I can't I can't speak enough uh, positive things about what that young man's been able to do, the way he carries himself, the way that Tua has responded, his team, the the way they are so explosive on offense. And, you know, he went out and got Vic Fangio this this offseason to be the defensive coordinator. I think that's a that's a huge factor in, in how far they'll go uh, in the AFC East. Ryan Leaf, our guest on Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. Ryan, let's talk a little college football. It's been quite the season for college coaches peacocking. Uh, all around town, when they feel they're, they're puffed up a little bit after a game. We had Ryan Day go after Lou Holtz, a guest on this show. Uh, this past Saturday, we had Dave Doran of NC State tell Steve Smith that he could kiss his ass after Steve Smith said it's a basketball school at NC State, and they went out and beat Clemson. And then speaking of Clemson, you got Dabo Sweeney, who is going ham on Tyler from Spartanburg in a five-minute rant about what all he's done at Clemson and how he's not going to let someone call in and talk to him like he's 12 years old. What do you think about all of this that's going on with college football, and specifically the latest story with Dabo Sweeney and that 4-4 and Clemson team and, and what he's saying now? I mean, 
when times get tough, you know, it reveals character. And I thought early on, no one had any expectations for Dabo and they fought their way up. And then they got to a place where they were uh, extreme expectations, extreme. And, you know, the games they've lost this year, like, I mean, at no point have they been blown out by anybody, right? They get, if anybody blew them out, it was Duke in week one. I called that game and, you know, they just made mistakes in the red zone. And then you go to Florida, Florida State and they come to town and, you know, they beat them in overtime, right? The Miami loss is again in overtime. I mean, these are things that, um, that exist uh, around that. NC State finds a way to win down the stretch. I mean, they're not blowouts by any means. It's difficult, right, to win consistently at the college football level especially when you are not willing to really change or evolve, right? They don't accept transfers. Um, it's just been their, their, their baseline, right? They've, they, they're homegrown is the way they look at it. And, uh, and they haven't gone outside their, their comfort zone uh, of that coaching room to go find a, other coordinators. This was a big step to go get Garrett Riley this off season. And I don't know if he's really let Garrett Riley loose with the reins at all. It's kind of, as he said, after the Duke game, this is the Clemson offense, and Garrett Riley's here to coordinate it, and and that's not the way it goes. You bring in you bring in mercenaries to get some stuff done, and uh, unfortunately, Tyler from Spartanburg, you know, he he may be asking some of the the wrong que- the right questions the wrong ways type of mentality. And I mean, Dabble's fed up with it. He's like, you guys don't you guys don't uh, appreciate what we've uh, been able to give you over the last you know decade or so, and 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 when we are when our luck is down a little bit this year. Um, you know, I, I want you to have our backs. I don't want you to, yeah. I don't want you to become an, and I can fully understand that. Hey, I get it. You know, I'm, I'm watching the Beckham uh, documentary on Netflix right now. And I, I didn't knew nothing about it. And it was right during my heyday, 97, 98, when I was coming to the NFL draft and all the hoopla was going on around with me and, and, and him getting uh, sent off uh, in the world cup and how the whole country just absolutely you know, went after him. And in the documentary, like he is so down about messing up. Like he takes full ownership. Like I did it, but all his boys and all his people and everybody, parents, and they're sitting back there and they're like, they weren't having that stuff. They were like, these people were abusive. Even his wife was like, uh, I would still kill these people now. That's how upset they are about it. And that's, that's what this should be a little bit. Come on, Tigers fans have his back. It's a rough time when adversity strikes, you know, let's go to war together. It's been a lot of negative for USC the last three weeks also, Ryan. The the back-to-back losses to Notre Dame and Utah, what was almost a loss at Cal this past weekend, big opportunity to change their narrative this weekend. Hosting Washington, what kind of chance do you give the Trojans to pull off the win and play spoiler to the Huskies? Tell you what, this line's fishy. I mean, this line's making me think that that Vegas knows something we don't in terms of – Vegas is saying – USC is going to win this game. Yep. I, I I truly believe that. And uh, it's hard for me to envision this defense being able to stop Michael Penix and those wide receivers. But the Pac-12, in all its glory, has been a cannibalistic uh, animal. They, we, they, we eat our own every single year. And guess what? The lone undefeated team left is Washington. And... It would be in perfect form in the final year of the conference for the Pac-12 to just Pac-12, and that is take down their own and have an ultimate conference champion with two losses and not get into the college football playoff once again. So um, I haven't quite decided where I'm going on this. I want to believe that Washington, with 
They're great quarterback play, the great great wide receivers. For some reason, I just feel like this defense for USC puts up one shining moment in the biggest game for them. Last time that SC came down to LA, they got embarrassed by UCLA last year at the Rose Bowl. Uh, I'm 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 kind of hedging towards USC walking off that field and Caleb Williams going, hey, we get Oregon next week. All of a sudden, you guys are talking about us differently. Check out the Straight Line Pod with Ryan Leaf. Always great with us. Ryan, thank you so much, man. Enjoy the weekend. You bet, fellas. You guys have a great weekend, too. Thanks, Ryan. Always a great conversation. Coming up, one big thing on every NFL game for Week 9. That's next on the Hot Mic with Hunter Withrow across the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Wrapping up what's been a fast-paced Thursday edition. Chad, off to coach yet again. Another epic season by Coach Withrow is now all-star coach, Coach Withrow. Uh, he'll be back with us uh, tomorrow to react to uh, Thursday Night Football tonight. Pittsburgh hosting Tennessee. Kickoff week nine is the weekend is officially here. We'll kick that off. Uh, plus all the news, notes, and headlines, and probably new Connor Stallions footage that we'll be reacting to on the Friday edition preview and what's going to be a great college football weekend. So among the trades that did not happen at the NFL trade deadline included, according to reports, and a leak probably through the Jets, is that the New York Jets were after... Mike Evans, and Devontae Adams. Of course, neither wide receiver was traded at the deadline. Makes sense for Tampa. They're battling for uh, the top of their division. Evans is a huge part of that. They can go to the postseason. The Raiders fire their head coach, their general manager, their offensive coordinator. They bench their starting quarterback, but they don't trade Devontae Adams coming off of a game on Monday where he had one catch, uh, and was targeted, but not enough. They're not feeding him the football. Rightfully so, he's pissed about it. Well, they don't trade him because they wanted to trade Hunter Renfro. And that was their response whenever the Jets picked up the phone and called. Davey Hudson in studio with us uh, here at Six of Peabody. Davey, uh, have you heard the theory as to why the Jets are so aggressive for the wideouts, I the outside receiver. No, I, I've not seen the theory, but I can imagine that would be a pretty funny call. Like, hey, we got this Pro Bowl wide receiver. We want to send your way. And they're thinking, oh, you want to part ways with Devontae Adams? No, Hunter Renfro. Well, it was – so the Jets called, and uh, the report goes, Jets called, and they wanted the outside receiver. Mm -hmm. They didn't need the slot. They didn't need the inside guy, and that's why they wanted Adams. Makes sense. But Florio's take is – the reason why that they were really pushing, or at least the reason why they're getting it out there now that they tried to make a trade, it didn't come through, is because Aaron Rodgers took that pay cut at the beginning of the season, reduced his salary, and said, this is going to help us add more veteran talent to the roster, even not just now, but throughout the season. And that, in theory, is, to, is why they're pushing if it's them, though they're yeah. pushing this news out there to make sure Rodgers knows they were trying to be aggressive, even though news is that, you know, the trade deadline was a dud. It's a dud in part because no trades were made, yes. But that doesn't mean that teams were not trying to 
make a trade happen, it's a dud because there wasn't much in return for teams to send the opposite way. Very much the case, and I don't know if we'll ever really hear what actually happened, but when you look at the Raiders and their timeline of firing Josh McDaniels and their GM Ziggler, I wonder how much, and as far as the offers, like Mark Davis was actually involved on if he wanted something to happen, if he didn't, because the way in which everything lined up, it's kind of murky in a sense as far as how far they were willing to go, who wanted what. Uh, when you look at that, and then ultimately we know that Mark Davis has said, nope, we're turning the page. We're You guys are out the door. We're at time to start a new era in Las Vegas. Jets are in prime time this week. We'll hit that in every game right now. It is time for one big thing on every NFL game. And it's week nine. Weekly notes include the buys, as always. Broncos, Jaguars, Lions, and 49ers on the buy this week. Tonight, Thursday Night Football kicks off week nine. The Titans and Steelers in Pittsburgh. Will Levis threw, all he did was throw touchdown passes. Four touchdown passes this past Sunday. That's two more than Ryan Tannehill had in eight games this season for the Titans offense. The Titans' leading receiver last year was Robert Woods, 527 yards for the season. He ranked 77th in receiving yards. That was the Titans' number one receiver. Not good. Already this year, DeAndre Hopkins, 504 yards. He's 21st in the NFL in receiving yards. And he's come in and been well worth the investment. Can Levis have a sequel to what was a fantastic debut? Well, a warning here. Rookie quarterbacks are 1-15 in the previous 20 seasons when playing in Pittsburgh. A rookie quarterback has never won a primetime game in Still City. 0-5 all-time through uh, NFL research and their great work. And after two weeks of uh, sharing the field, the picture, it's, it's clear now. Deontay Johnson is the Steelers' number one wideout. 31% of all targets go his way now that he's back. That's twice as many receptions as George Pickens since Johnson has returned to the lineup. Dolphins and Chiefs in Germany. It is a battle for the number one spot in the AFC right now. Patrick Mahomes, he had never lost to Denver in 12 previous games. He had never lost an AFC West road game until last Sunday. Of course, the flu plays a factor. An injured hand, yes, plays a factor. But it led to two interceptions. He had a lost fumble and a 23-9 loss to Denver. It's the same Broncos team that Miami destroyed by 50 points earlier this season. And it's just the third time that Mahomes was held without a touchdown. The Chiefs did not reach the end zone last week. It's the first time since week seven of 2021 they didn't reach the end zone in a game. Meanwhile, Tyreek Hill does reach the end zone. He's the first player in 62 years with 1,000 receiving yards in his team's first eight games of a season. It's him and A.J. Brown gunning for Megatron's all-time receiving record in a single season. And the Dolphins, by the way, they're facing a good team. They're not really good against good teams. They haven't won. They fell short in the two previous matchups against contenders. They lost to the Bills and the Eagles by a combined margin of 42 points. Vikings hit the road to face the Falcons. Both teams at 4-4. Four and four. Which quarterback can be a point guard and distribute the, the ball the best. It's Jaron Hall, fifth-round rookie. Gets his first NFL start. Taylor Heineke steps in as the starter in Atlanta. Vikings finally got their first rushing touchdown of the season, by the way. I know we've 
brought up quite a bit. Bravo. Yeah, congratulations, many. Seahawks, Ravens, 6-2 and two Baltimore, 5-2 and two Seattle. Lamar Jackson against the NFC, we've noted this. He's great. In 18 games, he's now 17-1. and one. That loss came against the Giants last season. The Ravens offense now faces Seahawks defense that just added Leonard Williams. And the Seahawks right now are on top of the NFC West. That's thanks to the comeback win over Cleveland. It's their fifth victory in their last six tries. But they do have issues. They've got to clean up the penalties. Seattle ranks second in the NFL in penalties per game, and many of those are pre-snap. And they also rank among the NFL's worst on third down. That's both offense and defense. Browns and Cardinals. Is this Kyler Murray's return, the debut for the season? Is this Clayton Toon's debut? Toon is in for uh, some problems against that Cleveland defensive front if he gets his first start. Jim Schwartz, 5-0 and against rookie quarterbacks since 2017, and his defenses have averaged four sacks per game against Rooks. Packers are hosting the Rams. Interesting matchup, not because of good teams, just based on the situation that they're in. Over the last five games, the Packers have been outscored in the first half 73-9. to They've lost the last four games. But the Rams' defense gives up some points, and this is consecutive road games for Los Angeles after they were dominated by the Cowboys. Matthew Stafford is dinged up. Did not practice again today. Texans are hosting the Bucks. Things did not go well for C.J. Stroud and company uh, against Carolina, but C.J. Stroud has been very turnover-free to start his career. He's been good, and he'll need to be good against a Bucks defense that's had some extra time to prepare for Stroud coming off the long weekend on the loss last Thursday night. Commanders hitting the road after their fire sale. They're taking on the New England Patriots, and this should be a New England victory. I say should be. Sam Howell is, he's made, what, nine career starts now. Quarterbacks in their first 10 career starts playing on the road in New England against Belichick are 5-31. and 31. Saints hosting the Bears. It's got to be a win for New Orleans. 4-4 four and four against 2-6. and six. Tyson Bajant takes on a Saints defense that ranks second in both opponent passer rating and third down percentage. And they're also fifth in takeaways. And Derek Carr has thrown for more than 300 passing yards now in three straight games. Late afternoon slate includes Carolina hosting Indianapolis, back-to-back home games for the Panthers. Expect a, uh, a, a rushing touchdown. The Colts, they've allowed 15 this year. The Panthers have allowed 14. It's the two worst defenses against the run for touchdowns and points on the board in the NFL. The 15 mark uh, for Indy, tied for the second most through eight games in the wildcard era for the league. Raiders hosting the Giants. Raiders firing. Giants, not good. Antonio Pierce, he's the interim head coach for the Raiders. He takes on the team that he played for, won a Super Bowl with, went to multiple Pro Bowls for. Uh, Aiden O'Connell's the quarterback. Jimmy G has been benched. And the Giants can't score. 95 points. That's the second lowest uh, a point total in the Super Bowl era through eight games. 95 points in eight games combined. Awful. Atrocious. The Raiders total, uh, the team total under uh, 8-0 this season. Uh, you take the under uh, in that. They are the only team in the NFL with uh, uh, not hitting their over so far this year. That game's going under no matter what it is, Dave. Eagles and Cowboys. It's being overshadowed a bit by the AFC matchups. 
we won't overlook it. Seven and one, five and two. AJ Brown's sixth straight game now with 125 yards receiving or more. That breaks the previous longevity record that was set back in 1966 and then again by Calvin Johnson in 2012. And CeeDee Lamb demands the football and then 12 catches, 158 yards, two touchdowns, and a beatdown of the Los Angeles Rams. That's Get the in the ball more. That's the game I'm looking forward to the most this weekend. The uh, they This should be epic. And the Cowboys need to go on the road and prove that they can not only beat the Eagles, they can win the division. That would be a, a statement matchup for Dak Prescott. Give me the Eagles. Bengals and Bills. The last time these uh, two teams met, the game was canceled due to the DeMar Hamlin uh, heart attack. And, and now it's a game where the winner's going to get a lot of jet fuel. Buffalo's defense is down three starters from the week one roster, and they take on a healthy Joe Burrow. Jets and Chargers are your Monday night football matchup. It's the Jets at four and three, Chargers at three and four. The Jets held the Giants to minus nine yards passing. Minus nine. Negative nine. That's incredible. Half. Atrocity on the opposite sideline, but the Jets defense did that. Another notch for them this season. Jets are 8-0 when Brees Hall scores a touchdown. And which quarterback from the 2021 quarterback class leads that group in fourth quarter come-from-behind victories? It is Zach Wilson with six. Trevor Lawrence, the runner-up in that category right now, with five. That is one big thing on every NFL game for week nine. Some great stuff there, Hut. I kind of look back, you know, that Miami uh, Chiefs game. I, I am kind of curious to see, you know, international. It's just, it's all those things where the team I kind of predicted before the season wasn't the one that ultimately ended up coming away with the win. And yeah. that do we see that happen where uh, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, I think it was, oh, is Marquez Valdez-Scantley just talking about the idea of, I don't want to travel, like I got to get a dog sitter complaining about stuff like that. But Whatever. It, it's it's funny when you look at it from these players' perspectives that are getting to travel the world to play the game. Yeah. Uh, love the... They're not the, flying coats, trust me. They're yeah. in sleeping pods on their flight over there. Love the stat about sometimes Lamar you, Jackson. Sometimes you stay in a castle if you're in London. Versus NFC teams. I, I'm oh, also... Yeah. I, I look at this game for the Vikings, and I mean, if the playoffs were to start today... They're in as the seventh seed. Yep. How long do we see Jaron Hall? If he's not playing well, do they just say, we're going to throw Josh Dobbs out there? Have, have they ruled him out or just said he's not starting? They've, they've just only named the starter. Okay. The fifth rounder, Hall, is going to be the guy. It, it'd be interesting to see if he can go in there. The I mean, the NFC, on like you look at those teams at the end, it's a, it's a real struggle, and there's not many teams that I think would be able to do much if they got into the playoffs, but that seventh seed could have a losing record. Tonight... Titans on the road against the Steelers. Kenny Pickett and company. Can he make it through the game with a rib injury? Meanwhile, can Will Levis have another performance like he did this past Sunday? He's going to have to do it against a Steelers defense that gets the football quite often. Back at it tomorrow.